Hello, welcome to the Artist Scientist Podcast, where we discuss the overlaps of music and technology creation. I'm your host, Alexis Douglas, a music technology enthusiast. Our recording is on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations on Turtle Island, also known as Vancouver, Canada. Today, the artist scientist is an internationally acclaimed, award-winning composer, producer, and DJ specializing in mashups, summer jams, and feel-good tracks unearthed from dance music's basement. This artist is also a musicologist who loves to nerd out about electronic music history, which is available through their website. The link is in the comments. Without further ado, it is my immense pleasure to welcome DJ Dane, aka Andrew Bowers, to the Artist Scientist Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here. So we'll just get right into it. In the article about finding your voice at a Valkyries event, for our listeners, may you please share some tips that helped you to find your voice? Yeah, um, I guess to provide some context about that event, um, Valkyrie uh, Western Martial Arts uh, specializes in fencing, but they also are interdisciplinary with boxing and wrestling. And they were hosting an event at a convention where there was a game show where they were incorporating some of those uh, things. And they asked me to uh, be a kind of um, MC or ringside announcer. And I, I don't really seek out public speaking opportunities on a good day. <laughs> so I was really taken aback by, by being offered the opportunity. Um, and I really w- wasn't sure, you know, was I a good fit for this? It was something I, I considered weight outside my comfort zone. Um, but my, my friends clearly saw something in me that uh, that I could fulfill that role for them. So I, I put on a motorcycle jacket and Ray-Bans and tried on like my best Michael Buffer impersonation and really just hammed up the role. And it turned out to be like a really fun uh, event, uh, just calling out like for, you know, introducing, you know, fighter A against fighter B, that kind of thing. Um, so more to your question about finding my voice and all of that. Um, I could see it being three points or pillars to that experience. Um, First is um, finding a way to address imposter syndrome. That's something I know I struggle with. I know a lot of uh, friends and artists also struggle with. And uh, it's different for everyone on what's easiest to address that. And it it really comes down to that taking reassurance, reassurance from multiple friends that this was something they thought I could do. and that, that validation that I was competent at something was really the starting point to having any kind of confidence in that skill. Uh, so if, if nothing else, like believe in your friends who believe in you, it can be an accessible starting point to, to that kind of thing. Um, the other key thing for me especially was making it silly. Uh, I'm the kind of person who will go above and beyond in terms of, you know, effort and production value. If it's something that I think will take a joke and push it even further, that's that's just my perfect blend. Um, it's it's the most accessible form of of the kind of uh, the yes and uh, philosophy from like improv uh, uh, culture and stuff. Um, like, I guess I could say like. Um, 
you know, you can give yourself a kind of permission uh, and so much more creative freedom when you choose to play a character or you give yourself a persona that you just release yourself from all of that, like judgment of, from other people. Cause it's like, oh, well, that's not me anymore. That's just nice this- stage persona. Exactly. Um, that can, that can be so liberating. Yeah. Um, and so it gave me new insight to like so many other, you know, artists and performers who, you know, they put on a mask or, you know, their stage character is so much different once they're off, once they're off stage and back at the hotel room, it's just, oh no, I'm just a normal person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, And I guess the third and final point um, is trust that you have great taste. And that's pulling from uh, uh, an interview Ira Glass did. Uh, If you, if you Mm. Google Ira Glass, the gap, it's one of my favorite, like, inspirational pieces of content when it comes to being creative, um, where he talks about that distance between your taste and your skill. And when you feel like, when you recognize how much you have before you can achieve the same level of skill as what you admire, so many people give up before they get to that point. Like it's, it's the heart, it's the first big hill you have to climb as a creative. And it, it takes, most of us a really long time to, to climb that hill. Um, but but in, in, in digging into that, I realized once you're able to cross over, um, you know, that's arguably where you make some of your best work. But then it, it changes because then you get the inverse where your skill surpasses your taste for a bit. And so at some point, you can potentially become uninspired again, where it's like, well, I, I just don't know what I want to make anymore. I've grown, I've grown tired of making whatever I've been making for a period of time. And so you then have to start the process over because you'll seek out new artists. You, you keep consuming because you, you obviously love whatever your medium yeah. is. You love music, you love visual art, whatever. And you'll see people still further ahead of you and whatever your field is go, oh gosh, like, man, I wish I could make that. And so it just starts the whole thing over again. And that can seem really defeating, but I think once you have that understanding of that process, um, that becomes like a super liberating moment to to go from just complete, it's kind of the opposite of imposter syndrome at that point, because you have this better understanding of your relationship to art and where, how the growth works. All right. Uh, Here's question number two. Have you ever experienced the flow state? And may you please share a short story of a memorable experience in the flow state or advise our listeners about how to enter it? Yeah, uh, it's definitely something I've experienced. And as a creative person, that is the high I'm still continuing to chase as, as I continue to work. It's once, once you've experienced it and you recognize it, suddenly it's like, oh, I just want, I want that all the time. Yeah, right? <laughs> it is very much like, like, a, like a, a drug or something. It does feel quite addictive. Um, I guess early on in discovering that it was hard to be aware in the moment that it was happening. It was mm-hmm. something that yeah. It was it was much more likely I would look at the clock and wonder where did the last four hours go and why am I weak with hunger because I just forgot <laughs> to eat. Uh, you yeah. you you just are just completely you know in the zone. It feels a bit campy to say it that way, but it it is quite accurate. Um, and I I would argue it's a kind of for me at least like a snowball effect of following your intuition. 
So in, in DJing specifically, it's that you know, you're trusting that you know what the right record is for this moment right now. And then before you know it, each track you play subsequent is you're kind of like in that, um, you know, very, I would kind of relate it to what like Buddhists describe as, you know, being present and in the now yeah. as you're putting on the next record, ideally, um, you know, this is a state where the, the record you pick, it couldn't possibly be any other record. It had to be this record. And you just know that from all your, you know, combined previous experiences of, you know, playing with this music and reading crowds and, you know, um, all these subconscious processes in your mind just, you know, all coming together at once. Um, I, I've definitely heard people talk about this in relation to like, when you first start learning how to drive, a lot of anxiety first sets in because there's so many literal moving parts that you're trying to account for, as well as everything else everyone else is doing. And it can be a real information overload. But once you get comfortable, the, you know, the vehicle or even a bicycle it might be another good example, becomes an extension of yourself. And you're not thinking consciously, you're just kind of doing it and you can feel things out. You know, when the road underneath you goes from asphalt to gravel that, oh, I had to, you know, turn or shift down gear down or whatever you need to do to maintain control um it's not a like okay i have to do a then i have to do b then i have to do c which is how it really feels starting out when you're still learning a lot of stuff um so as far as trying to like enter that space um i see it as as two things to, to really consider it's it's not just about finding ways to step on the gas and accelerate yourself into that process because um you know, you can, yeah. it's pretty easy to surround yourself with like inspiring material. You can listen to great music or, you know, go to a gallery or talk to friends and get really hyped and excited. And, you know, inspiration is very accessible in a lot of ways, but recognizing where you might have breaks and where you need to take off breaks is a lot more of the work and long-term work that's involved with that. So, you know, you can be inspired till the cows come home, but when you go to sit down, and you can't quite get past a, you know, a situation where like oh, you're at your day job and a really crummy customer just threw you off, and that just, that that memory just intrudes on the moment. Um, those are the things that that can really prevent, you know, even getting started entering in, in a flow state. So I, I could see, um, and now of course this is so subjective; people have to figure out what works for them. But either learning to leave those kinds of things at the door. Which is very different from abandoning them. Like you, you know, like whatever you, you you're dealing with, like you don't bury it, you don't you know shun it away because that's that's only toxic for your own mental health. You got to be able to pick that up when at appropriate time later. Um, so e either being able to separate it when you go to do creative work, or taking the time to make and hold space for it in your creative work. So maybe that's you know setting aside time during you know some uh, time in your studio to you know put it, take those feelings and put them into the canvas or into the music solo or as words on paper, whatever you do. Um, getting it out of your system is a, you know, good self-therapy, frankly, in, in my yeah. opinion. But I, I think also gets those gears turning. Um, you know, it starts that, that process of release and, it, you know, you start to trust yourself to express something and that can move one thing into the next to um to to lead you into that 
flow state, so to speak. And and that that feeling too of like I just want to go and and art like a verb is yeah. a great feeling and sometimes <laughs> yeah. it could be like a little a little bit anxiety inducing of like I guess because it's also a form of excitement at the same time because yeah. like I want to do something but where do where do I put it <laughs> where do I <laughs> yeah. do I do the music do I do the or like if you like playing with multiple mediums it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> All right, last question. From your perspective, where do you see the future of music going in regards to the evolution of technology and music? This is a really interesting question, given what's been happening like right now and in, in the last few months. Uh, and personally, I think we do need to be very mindful right now. Um, something that I recently had to come to terms with is that um, and I'm kind of borrowing a bit of a quote from someone here I'm blanking on. I should have written down who I, I got this from, but I've realized that I'm also not immune to the emotional appeal of speculation. And that's coming from what's happening right now with, uh, with non-fungible tokens, NFTs being the hot thing for like crypto art and for, you know, we're seeing um, musicians and producers also getting in on this technology. There's a lot of massive hype around it. And when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, this is interesting. I like to see how this technology is being used. And, you know, a lot of the surface level stuff I was reading was quite interesting. And I, I'm definitely someone who um, is all for, you know, disruption of current systems, especially if it's, you know, creating more liberation for artists to not be, you know, bogged down by, you know, a lot of the limits of the old systems we've been used to, like, you know, yeah. the, the, the music industry has not had the best track record to put it lightly uh, for, for, for many people. Um, so there's lots of ideas and potential around things like blockchain technologies being thrown around. Um, but so many of us as artists, especially now during a pandemic, um, we're really vulnerable and a lot of us are desperate for like any kind of system we can, we can believe in that we can just, oh, if I can just focus all my efforts into this, then everything's going to be okay. Um, and I'm really worried about people getting burned and taken advantage of in that way, because, you know, we, that's an unfortunate history of different systems of power doing that to, to creative people. So, um, you know, that all said, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, as long as there's disruption happening, there's also a, co a bigger conversation happening at the same time. And for me, with any of these new technologies, they, they're only truly valuable to me if they're supporting like the most vulnerable people in our communities. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, I remember when VR was like kicking off as a thing, um, I was all for it. And then I remember talking to some people who talked about like, oh, well, like what's the price point? Like what's the accessibility of this tech? And that really yeah. made me stop and say like, oh, right. like. I can probably afford to get into this and, you know, start doing 3D art and all sorts of stuff. But I know so many other cool creative people who are in a much more, you know, 
different economic bracket that I am who are, I would argue, much more talented than I am in, in certain fields. And, yeah. you know, they don't necessarily have the same access that I would. And so that really got me thinking about maintaining that kind of critical thought as, as we as we develop things. So I, I think overall, I'm, I'm still encouraged that you know, I'm seeing these conversations happening more openly than ever before. And maybe partly that's because of with the advent of like, you know, social media algorithms, I'm just seeing more of these conversations because I'm looking for them. But, um, you know, prior to all this, I wasn't hearing that same, you know, fervor and challenge of like, oh, we need to be thinking about these things. Like who's left behind? Like what's, you know, what are the, what are we missing or not talking about when we talk about these new exciting ideas? And the fact that that's becoming more common, that that conversation is being raised up and those voices are being heard more, that gives me a lot of hope. All right. So to summarize the podcast so far, we have tips about finding your voice, how to enter the flow state, and what's coming up possibly in music technology with the arrival of the NFT train. To conclude the podcast, can you please tell us about one of your projects that you're excited about? Yeah, the the latest thing I'm working on is a music curation series. Um, Right now it's called You Should Be Listening. And I've been posting these videos on my TikTok and Instagram accounts and are just 60 seconds where I discuss a song I love. Maybe it's, you know, specifics about why I love it, maybe how I discovered it or just other facts I found interesting during my research. But all in all, it's songs that like, I think you should be listening to. (laughs) Thank you so much, Andrew Bowers, aka DJ Dane, for talking with me on this Artist Scientist podcast. We look forward to all of your future creations. And for our listeners, if you want to check out more about what DJ Dane is up to, you can go to his website, the link below. In closing, may you stay in the flow and keep creating. Thanks. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit that like and subscribe button and leave your comments below. Lastly, remember to download the free Midimo mobile iOS app by Flowverse and enjoy a new music production experience using 3D Motion.